Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Paige Dorian Productions, welcome to American Glutton. Is that what I say? Yeah, it just, thanks for having me. <laughs> it just made yeah. me laugh. Here we go. Here we go. I don't know what to say, but that's about it. Okay. I think that's what I say. That's the intro. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I liked it. We don't have Narod yelling at us for what, of, about what we should be saying. <laughs> she yells all the time. She gets irate. She's so intense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Narod is the the other producer. The queen of, of the studio. Yeah. And this is, once again, a holiday home edition. Yeah, which has been pretty cool. Yeah, good. They're good so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I asked you today, and I hope we can you can give us some advice on this, but like, here we are, beginning of the year, we're all getting back on the wagon, we're all getting our, you know, plans back together and everything, and so much I've been watching what you've been saying on the Marco Polo channel with this accountability group that you started. And it just hit me today, like goal setting. There's so much talk of this and it feels like something that could be broken down and, and made understandable because it's actually like such a huge, what does that mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Goal setting is a big one because I think there are general goals and then there are um you know if you're not constantly making and setting and achieving goals to get to your goal you know especially with something like a resolution or a year-long thing if you're giving yourself enough time you know if it's like i want to lose five pounds that could be a couple weeks worth of work. If you if you want to, I think a lot of people and like myself try to set big goals for the year. And so I talked to um, the guy who's been programming my workouts, Jared Feather. I talked to Dr. Mike Isretel and they were like, that's a lot of work. That's super lean. Yes, you can do that. And so I was like, great. So basically my point in this is is your goal realistic? If you wake up on January 1st and you go like, I'm going to, I'm going to be the first um, man to fly or one of the first human being to fly unassisted, you know, that's a, that's a tricky goal. But if you, if your goal is realistic, you know, if, if it's, um, if you have 200 pounds to lose, maybe one year isn't, enough to lose that i'm not saying i'm not trying to dissuade you from doing that but i i never lost that much weight in a year and when i hear about um people having done it it seems to be very rare and often followed by regain weight regain so what is a a realistic goal how long is it going to take and then man, my goals get down to just what am I going to do today? You know, what am I going to do 
what what's my overall goal okay how do i get there what's it going to take is it going to take me um two cutting phases or three cutting phases that means at least two maintenance phases that's a time factor and then i just break it down into smaller and smaller goals to the point where i go like what do i need to do today and how do i get through today and you know it's somewhat troubling the idea that I have to think about all of this. I really want to not be a person who has to think about all of this, but I've resigned my, myself to the fact that, that I do. And, and I, I don't know for sure if innately successful people, as I like to think of them, those who blunder their way into success without the amount of effort that it takes me to be successful at something if they're thinking through all the steps in the same way I am. But there's another weird aspect to this that I've been thinking about with, with goals and my need to plan every step out. And that is when, when I was very heavy, the idea of um, being late to something was terrifying, was terrifying. And, it was terrifying because the the idea of needing to rush was a physical exertion that I didn't feel comfortable doing. I, I, I have to say, I've seen it recently where I can rush to accomplish something or rush to the airport or something like that. And this sense of satisfaction, once once I've achieved it, you know, you think you're not going to make it and then you make it and you feel like, whew, that that feeling, you feel great. I don't feel great. I feel like I had 20 years of every time I went to rush to do something, I was physically exhausted if I made it. And more likely than not, I wouldn't make it. My clothes would be sopping wet from sweat. It would be drawing so much unwanted attention to me. So there was a lot of that that has put me off the idea of rushing. So if I'm going to the airport naturally today, I want to be very early. I want to have some idea of where I'm parking. I, I, all of this is thought through. Everything is thought through. So because I don't ever want to have to rush, I'm not a very fast person. And when I try to, when I, when I had tried to move fast for the majority of my life, it, it was really exhausting and I would wind up wet and sweaty and disheveled and out of breath for a long time. And then potentially incapable of standing at some point, you know, and getting leg cramps on an airplane because I had to rush and, you know, I made a scene at, at, uh, what is it? Security. So all of this has, has, has led me to a place where I am constantly doing checklists of things that I need to have prepared for myself to achieve something, which I kind of take as a, as a helpful thing when it's positive, right? Yeah, it sounds super positive, and that lends itself into how you're living your daily life. You are very planned with food, with exercise. Yeah, I, I am. I realized that I might have OCD <laughs> and I said this to my wife and she was like, how are you just now coming to this conclusion? <laughs> um, because I do want to go over everything. I don't know how I lived 
for so long not planning everything, but but I did. I mean, no, but that's not true. But I planned a trip to Starbucks was ex- extremely planned out. You know, um, going to buy clothes was unbelievably planned out. I knew my store. I knew where I was going to park. I knew how to get in and out as quickly as possible. I knew the area of the, you know, this big and tall man store that doesn't exist anymore on Fairfax near Santa Monica. And I would go in there. They had nudie magazines in the bathroom, which was super weird to discover because I was going in there at like 10 years old. But everything is planned. And so I'm just applying that to the things that I want to accomplish in in a more analytical way, in a more productive way, in a more constructive way to achieve my goals. If you don't plan stuff, then start planning. (laughs) It's true. And I think that comes naturally to some people. Some people are just very organized in their thoughts or they can learn to be. And some people are not, you know, and it takes more effort. I've had experiences both of those kinds of ways. It depends. I've always had jobs that make me be organized. Um, really from a very early age. But when it comes to my own personal stuff, I can be very haphazard and it does take focus and energy to be organized. And you ha- I personally think for me to be successful in eating well and exercising, I have to be, I have to plan it. Yeah. I was actually telling Brandy, um, you know, cause I'll do this thing where I go, all right, first of the year, I'm going to work out five times a week. That's my thing. That's my plan. And I did great when I did that before and blah, 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 blah. And then I wake up in the morning and if I didn't decide exactly what time, I'll get right into my email or some other thing and I'll get distracted, whatever. So the last couple of days, I was like, okay, the night before, I'm going to look at my day tomorrow. Great. I have a call at 7.30 and a call at 9. So I have to exercise prior and I set my alarm for 6 to get up, have coffee and 6.30 to exercise. And I did that two days in a row just based on like, okay, tomorrow my schedule is this because my schedule fluctuates. And that was kind of cool and it didn't overwhelm me of like the whole week, the whole month, the whole whatever. Um, Anyway, not sure exactly my point, but just that like being methodical about it and planning. It's planning. Yeah. It's planning. And then it's allowing for the universe to not give a shit about your plan, Mm -hmm. which is also real. Right. And I have started – I actually started doing this about a year ago where I would have – because I can do the hamster wheel. Like Groundhog's Day is great. The only days that are really tough are the weekends and I try to even plan those out. And the worst day for me is Sunday because I don't even work out on Sunday, right? That's a rest day. And so it's like no workout and a lot of free time and and that's a recipe for disaster. However, I make my plan and then the universe throws me a curveball and it's like your plan is meaningless to me. I'm in charge. And and there have been many years where that would completely wipe out a program I was on. So what I do is I try to throw myself curveballs. I wouldn't suggest that your first thing is like on Wednesday of this week if you started some new regime regimen regime <laughs> some some new some new thing on Monday that Wednesday you like pack up as though you're going to have a normal day and then go to Disneyland or something like that. But you can force yourself to deviate from your plan just to make yourself a little uncomfortable. And this 
this goes into like the idea of anti-fragility where if you i i believe that that the human body res- responds to tension and and stress in a way that it it gets stronger right and so if we're if we if we push it too hard it'll break not good if we treat it too delicately it will become weak not good because then you're way more susceptible to breaking so you got to have these stressors that come in to test you and if you if you have a schedule that it becomes super easy to stick to and you never deviate from it how long will that last life is at some point going to throw you a curveball and then does your whole thing fall apart right mm-hmm. and that's happened to me so i just suggest if you if you are good at sticking to a plan that you start to test yourself a little bit, you know? You said anti-fragility. Do you mean, does that mean like fragile? What do you mean? What Anti-fragile. Mean? So fragility means very easily broken. Ah, right? okay. I didn't know that. Anti-fragile, like fra- something that's fragile, if you go to bend it, it will snap, mm-hmm. right? Anti-fragile, the idea is that the more you bend it without breaking it, you don't want to bend it so much that you break it, but the more tension you apply, add to it the stronger it becomes okay you can see this in in systems you can see this in societal examples but it's real obvious with human bodies and of course this isn't an absolute so like if you have osteoporosis or something or you're predisposed to breaking your bones maybe you need to be more cautious right some people need to be more cautious but for the majority, the standard is if you tear your muscles enough that that they can recover without, you know, serious time off, then they'll recover stronger, right? Mm-hmm. So I think of this in the same way as if I get so comfortable and at ease with my schedule, then that's being, that's too careful and delicate and so i need to test it with with some problems to make myself stronger so that when a real exterior or external problem comes it doesn't just knock me off my feet don't go anywhere we'll be right back so what kind of what do you mean test it with some problems like what's an example of that i Let's say I, my standard Monday through Friday, if I'm working, I, I try to gauge like, is this going to be, if it's going to be night shoots, I'll probably go into the gym before I go to work. If it's going to be mostly morning shoots, I'll go, I'll go in after. And so when I'm going to eat, when I'm going to work out, when I'm going to do my work is all very planned and structured. Take a day and, you know, whatever it is, switch them when you're going to eat and when you're going to work out or go in the morning instead of the afternoon and see what it does, you know, but do it knowingly so that mm-hmm. you're in power over this change. You know, if you, if you are only eating chicken breasts, buy turkey and run out of chicken and, and try it. I'm just saying to some deviation. Mm-hmm. 
tell your wife you'll run an errand that she normally runs or or switch jobs with her. If you take the trash out and, you know, she tucks the kids in, switch them. Just I'm saying as far as a, a routine goes, switch it up to make yourself uncomfortable, right? If you mm-hmm. don't do cardio, do cardio one day. If you don't lift weights, lift weights one day. Switch up your schedule on purpose so that when life switches it up, you know, I, I, I cannot tell you the amount of stress. The, the first time my wife and I went to an airport together and we were leaving just about when I wanted to leave so I was comfortable. And then at one point she got off the freeway and I was like, where are you going? And she wanted to go to the mall. She wanted to take a quick stop at the mall. And I had, I mean, every form of panic set in. And we actually got into a big fight about it. And she was like, what are you talking about? It's fine. We're so early and all of this. Anyway, I'm completely used to that now. And she's completely used to my insistence that we show up early everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So you're saying, I get that. Now I actually understand what you meant. So you're, you're switching things up on yourself so that you have the ability to handle an unplanned change that comes in on you that you didn't. Let's talk about plan. diet. Yeah. Let's say your diet, I want to, I want to make this so general. Mm-hmm. Let's say, yeah, here's a really bad, big example. Let's say you're doing, you, you go vegan mm-hmm. and you go to the grocery store and they're out of vegan food. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Did you plan for that? It's so unlikely that it's going to happen. But what would happen to me in the past, and I'm being very hyperbolic, right? That's a grossly exaggerated, if if you couldn't like scrounge up some lettuce from somebody's backyard. Mm-hmm. But you could go to a restaurant and so, your friend okay, told you. But you're giving an example where there's realistic. a real solution, okay. right? I'm saying, let's say I was on... Uh, Atkins, mm-hmm. right? And I'm supposed this was 25 years ago or something. I'm supposed to eat the way you eat on Atkins, which is kind of like keto. I think it's pretty much keto aversion. It was an early keto. And you didn't buy enough food. You 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 go to make your food and you have no food in your in your refrigerator that works for Atkins. And you go to the store and it's like, for whatever reason, stores are closed and, and you only find lean meat and there's just nothing with fat or substance that is going to tide you over on Atkins, right? Lean meat, you probably find. What are you going to do in a situation or traveling? You're traveling. Did you pack enough food for the day? What happens when you get overly hungry at an airport or you're stuck in Chicago on a layover somewhere, you run out of food and all they've got is fucking pretzels and and big buckets of caramel corn. I think that's a Chicago thing. Yeah. Um, And deep dish pizza. What do you do? You know, for me, I break and have a slice of pizza, a giant tub of caramel corn, and that doesn't end there. Right. That then leads me to, well, now when I land at my destination, I don't have to go right to the grocery store because I've already messed up my day. So now I'm going to go, you know, stop somewhere else and get something fun to eat. 
And then it just, and then it's like the next day I wake up not feeling great. Well, you know what would make me feel good? A big bowl of cereal. And then I'm, and then I'm not, and then I'm, my plan has been ruined by this one instance where, you know, I'm landing in Chicago. I know there's a Chicago hot dogs place. Hot dogs are not ideal, but I'm going to grab some hot dogs, take the buns off. Guess what? That's closed. And all there is, is deep dish pizza and not even cheese. You can't even pick toppings off it, right? It's just bread and you're doing low carb. What do you do? That's a shitty place to be. Well, I could get even more minuscule on this and go, um, you know, I was bored one night and I wasn't, you know, I was supposed to uh, go on a walk with somebody and they canceled and then I'm sitting at home and then I'm thinking about food and I'm watching and the Carl's Jr. commercial comes on and I start salivating and the next thing you know, I've cooked myself a lasagna and I'm eating it, right? These things are real. These happen to people. These happen to me many, many, many hundreds of times. If you start to test yourself while maintaining power over a circumstance that wasn't planned for, I have found personally that it prepares me for when I don't have power over the change of the plan. And that is going to happen in life. Mm -hmm. You are going to plan something out and then life is going to throw you a curveball. And what are you going to do? Are you going to succeed or fail? Right? Yeah. I like that. That makes it makes a lot of sense. Gosh, it took me a long time to no, explain that. No, I, I got it different different parts of it along the way, but that makes so much sense. Yeah. And I love that example. Uh, everyone can relate to that, being stuck somewhere and you can't get what you need. And yeah, I would fully be, I'm the person who has the thing I shouldn't have. And then, well, today's, today's a Today's a wash. A wash. So, yeah, why not? Whatever. No more diet today. Yeah, and then the trip. <laughs> I mean, right. I'll just start when I get home. Listen, I have gone to a lot of places with a firm plan in mind. You know, I know every Whole Foods in Louisiana because I've spent a lot of time there working. There are seven, or there were in 2019. And I knew where all of them were. Practically didn't even have to type it into, you know, my navigation machine to get to them and they're far they're hours apart i know if i land in in new orleans and i get my rental car or i get to the hotel and i'm i'm arranging my car I've, i'm gonna take an uber somewhere and i get to the whole foods i'm gonna shop for a couple days so that i'm safe right but i've also experienced getting there and the whole foods is closed and then it's like, well, New Orleans is a fun town to eat in. And like, how diligent do you have to be always? You have to be always perfect. You're going to show up here. You're not going to eat gumbo. You know what I mean? You're not going to go have beignets or something like this. And then you start to, you're, you're, my, the little voices of evil in my mind are telling me God meant for this to happen. You know, this is, you know, this is the universe telling you to go eat beignets. And then you're on your way to the beignet shop and you see there's a halal guys in New Orleans. And you go, I've been eating halal guys for 15 years on 55th and 5th in New York when there was one cart. And now they've got a shop in New Orleans how is this not God telling me to go eat halal guys, right? Right. And you go in and you're like, when I was being really good in New York, 
I would just get my meat on top of lettuce. But I want to really patronize this store. So I'm going to get it as they serve it to do them that honor, right? And yes, give me the side of bread. And you know what? I'll take one beef and lamb and one chicken because I want to experience how you guys do this in New Orleans. I've, I've had it only in New York. This is the beginning of a disaster for me, Yeah. right? And, and and all it was, all that happened was the store I'd planned on going to was closed. That's it. <laughs> there are others. There's other. There's a, a grocery store in New Orleans called a chain called Rouse's, I think, or Rouse's. It's got everything that Whole Foods has except the hot bar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they might actually even have a hot bar, but like. I come from LA. I have to go to Whole Foods and then the Whole Foods is closed and then my plan is out the window, right? Mm-hmm. That's real. Yeah. How how do you how do you steel yourself against that? You've got to start messing with the way you wanted it to be. Mhm. Because it's not always going to be the way you wanted it to be. Yeah. And would you recommend doing that when you've got some stability in the thing that you're already doing? You know what I mean like Yes, God, yeah. Day one, don't 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 mess with yourself on day one. <laughs> well, look, if you're if you're at a point where you've you've had a bunch of failures and you're it's you know starting up something new is difficult. This is for sure something I would tell I would suggest to somebody who's a bit advanced here, right? Yeah. Or somebody who's had successes and then had, you know, a relapse or what, whatever word you want to use. Relapse is so indicative of drugs. So I don't mean to do that. But like you can start something, right? Mm-hmm. If it's day one for you, I would not. Don't get get into a routine. This is this is what you start to play with once you're into a routine. Mm-hmm. You've, you've been doing it for a while. You're going good. Life hasn't um, pulled the, the rug out from under you. Okay. Now we start thinking like, that can happen. A perfect example, lockdown, quarantine, right? A lot of people were into a groove on something and going to gyms and then their gyms closed and they were scared and they were told like, don't leave your house. And so now they're in their houses. Like I think about people in New York and I I like get a stomach ache. I feel slightly nauseous because you know, there's huge parts of New York that like the sun doesn't even hit the sidewalk, but for a couple minutes a day, because the buildings are so tall and so close together. You know what I mean? So you're in an apartment building surrounded by walls and artificial light and darkness. And you you don't want to go outside. By the way, have you ever seen it when it's crowded outside in New York? That would be scary at the beginning of a pandemic, right? It's scary now. Like, I don't want to go to Times Square when it's full of people. That's a lot of people. What do you do? You're not allowed to go to the gym. Restaurants that you've become dependent on or grocery stores, suddenly shit shelves are, uh, shelves are vacant and empty and stuff that you were used to. I think a lot of people got derailed over that, right? And- I think also people like figured out alternatives and people succeeded too, which is awesome. But you can prepare yourself better for basically God laughing at your plan by affecting changes that you're not expecting. And 
when I say you're not expecting them, obviously you're creating the changes. So you are expecting them. And that's what, that's the whole point though, because you have the power over it. While you have the power over it, you can go like, well, I'm really comfortable going to the gym in the morning or walking in the morning or exercising in the morning. And here's when I eat. Okay. What happens if you change it up? How awful is it? When you change it up, you're still in control of everything, right? And that's a little bit different than when you're used to working in the morning and then your boss calls one morning and you miss your workout because your boss said, no, you have to work right now. Get on a Zoom Skype meeting thing. And then you go, well, no, I only work out in the morning, so my workout is done. Well, okay, if you on purpose change your plan and make yourself uncomfortable, you may be more acclimated to when life or the universe or God throws a change at you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because it happens to everyone. It does. Even the most disciplined person. Yeah. Yeah. And these are, these are all the things I think about when setting goals, because Mm -hmm. for me, the goal becomes part, the plan becomes part of the goal, becomes part of the plan. And, and the goal is the day. Mm -hmm. The goal is the first meal, the goal is exercise, the goal is the second meal, the goal is don't get too hungry because you make bad decisions when you're too hungry, right? So don't miss a meal, don't start combining meals at the end of the day, which I've done and and it's not ideal. And so in an ideal world for me, I have a schedule that never gets touched, right? But that's not real life. Yeah. And so I have to mess with that so that I can be prepared so that I can make my goal last year despite God laughing at my plan, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know why I keep using God. I'm sorry. Well, it can be. It's an idea. You yes. know, the universe, life, the whole thing. Yeah. Whatever it is for you. Right. The higher power. If, if you're more powerful than the universe, then good for you. I'm not. So someone had written into the website talking, a lot of people have been talking about goals and asking about goals. And, you know, you can have these goals that are very specific, but then, you know, what if someone has a goal that it's just this general thing? Basically, someone was saying, you know, they just wanted to get fit this year, right? And it just, you know, I don't know. I I also heard, I think by the time this comes out, we'll have heard Erica Christensen's episode. And she made a joke about like, yeah, my goal used to just be like, look better, (laughs) Um, which I was like, yeah, totally relate that to that. But you know, how, how do you, is there, I don't know. I just feel like. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Here's what I would say. Big ones versus specific ones. For me. For general ones. If you roll into the year going, my goal is to get fit this year. I, I say more power to you. I think you can do that. And I wish you luck. That is not specific enough for me. And the reason I say that is that I find all this stuff to be subjective, right? I'm never going to be the best guy on a rowing machine, but I have set goals on rowing machines and done them. Uh, Can I row for 30 minutes straight at a good speed? Not today. I can't because my cardio sucks today, but I've done it. And then it was, let me do a full marathon, 49,000 meters on a rowing machine. And I did that. Those are, to me, attainable goals. But if I want to just be better at a rowing machine, I could probably be better at a rowing machine in a week or two. The idea of getting fit to me, 
I don't know what that means. That doesn't mean anything to me. Get fit. Uh, there's got to be a metric that I'm aiming for. There's got to be something objective. Because if you leave it all up to my subjective mind, it's all not going to be good enough mm-hmm. for myself. And then I look at <clears throat> other people and I just want to tell them how great they're doing. And and I mean that. And it's very sincere. But when I'm looking at myself and I'm uh, judging myself, I'm so unbelievably hard and harsh and not nice. However, if I set a real objective goal, when I reach that goal, I feel good. I, I have accomplished something. I then need to work on setting a new goal because I don't do well floundering around without some kind of a goal. I have demons, Paige. <laughs> well, it's Pretty true. sure we all do. Okay. I have some bad demons. Anyway, I need I need very specific goals. And that's what I was talking about earlier where it's got to be kind of realistic, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would be able to pull off running a marathon at, at any point. I did a lot of damage to my knees. I've had surgeries on them. My feet are a mess. I just don't know if it's realistic. When I could ride my bicycle 150 miles in a day, and get up the next day and feel fine and do it again and not actually have any real fatigue. So like really high-end cardiovascular ability, I went to run a 5 or a 10K with um, Lance Armstrong's organization in Austin, Livestrong, and it was a disaster. It was horrifying, and it had nothing to do with my cardiovascular. That was like basically unaffected, but my knees... And my feet, they just, they're just not, I was so heavy for so long that I did a lot of damage to them. So I have to think about that. Now I say I probably couldn't run a marathon. I'm actually sure that I could run a marathon this year if that was my goal. So that's not an unrealistic goal. But how about an ultra marathon? I don't know. I don't know if I come away from trying to do something like that with stress, stress fractures everywhere. And then I go like, is that worth it? You know, what if I, what if I have to wear casts and can't walk? Then it's not a worthwhile goal, right? Mm-hmm. If 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 I had the goal of flying and it was like, okay, you could have surgically implanted wings, but they're only going to be good for one minute and you can never get rid of them. That's not a for me. That's not a worthwhile goal, right? There's a cost benefit weight there that doesn't doesn't even out for me. Is your goal going to allow you to live life, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have a wife. I have four kids. I have uh, work. I, I My goal has to be a part of that. It all has to fit together. So that's another aspect I look at when making a goal. I don't really want to run a marathon. I don't like running. I'd rather ride my bike or walk very slowly. But like, you know, I think – People can do that. People can set those goals. And I just think there's got to be some, you know, you look at David Goggins. David Goggins is a badass. I admire him so much. I'm envious of him so much. I also know that I could destroy my body trying to do some of the stuff he does. And I don't want to. Like, that's, that's not a part of my, I don't have to prove anything to myself. I guess I do. 
but I don't have to prove anything to anybody else. So I'm not going to take what he's doing and go, I have to do that. Mm -hmm. What do I want? And I, I would be really honest with myself about what I wanted, find an objective metric to measure that by or, or measure progress by. By the way, if you're 550 pounds and you know it's going to be years to lose that weight, then set a realistic goal for this year. And that's, that's fucking awesome. That's not something to not do because you can't do it all this year. Yeah, that is something that it, just that point, we've talked about this, you've talked about this a lot, but like the speed, you know, that we want to see our goal accomplished can really, it is, I don't know, it can really mess you up if you, you want instant gratification can't tell you how many times personally I will stop doing something because I'm like, ugh, what's the point? I'm not going to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, doesn't always have to just be even physical, but that is like, keep just reminding yourself that if you lost X amount, it may not be all of what you want to lose or whatever. It's so much better than the starting point. Yes. Just any level of progress. Yes. I, I, that was something that took me a long time to figure out. And I wish I had come to that much, much earlier mm -hmm. because I think I could have, and that's not even totally true because I am very happy with my journey. I think I got a lot of information that I wouldn't have had, which I'm really happy to have. And I'm really happy with myself right now. So I don't, I don't discount any of my journey as being necessary to, to my journey. It's all been what it is. The point where I go, what if I knew then what I know now? But then I don't arrive at now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I knew it then. Mm -hmm. what, what do I miss yeah. by, by kind of doing that? So the idea that it has to happen immediately has been detrimental to me. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's led to a lot of feelings of uh, inability to succeed, fear of fear of failing in so much as like, because I've failed in the past, why start? Because I know I'll just fail again. And I don't want to tell people like I'm on this program. I don't want somebody to say like, you, you look good. Did you lose weight only to then have to like divert their eyes the next time they see me because I gained it back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I'm not going to bring it up now or they're not going to bring it up now. And you know, what am I going to say? I know what just happened between us. I saw the whole thing happen in your mind and yes, I apologize to you for shitting on your compliment that you gave me last time. Like, and just, and then I just feel awful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have a question that's a bit off the goals topic, but it just came to mind as we were talking about like, you know, different levels of weight loss and maybe it's not everything you wanted, but progress. And I love how, by the way, these episodes are turning into just like short therapy sessions for me. So thanks. And me too. Okay, good. Here's a question. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but maybe. So let's say I'm going to make up numbers. Um, let's say a girl is a size 12. Okay. And then wants to be smaller, thinner, better shape, whatever. And then you see yourself, you can look at yourself a certain way. And you just, maybe you're thinking like, oh, I feel this, I feel this, I don't like it. Blah, blah. Then let's say you go down to a size 10 or, you know, whatever. A person literally loses a size and you're riding high on that for a little bit, like, I look good or, you know, whatever. Have you ever noticed like another level of, what is the word, dissatisfaction sets in when you reach 
something, but it's maybe not as small as you want to be. And then you can, I mean, this is just what happens to me, obviously. I will look at myself and I will see that new size as still so, it's not what I want. And then I'm upset and I have to remind myself, dude, you lost a size in six months or whatever, you know, making up random numbers and times. But it's just like that thing of getting to reaching a goal or an interim goal or whatever. And then you still look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, no, I'm still blah. Yeah. I think I think about that in the same way that I think about guilt. Mm. And I think it's a razor's edge and that one side what's the point? And that the other side is you've done so good that you don't have to do it anymore. Mm. Right. So you're moving towards a goal and you get to a, a, a sub goal, right? Cause clearly if you, if your whole goal is like multiple sizes smaller and you are a size smaller mm-hmm. then you are progressing towards your goal, you get there and this idea of success and failure, right? The goal, the actual goal, the overall goal is still far off that I don't even want to take this goal as a success. Mm. I think you've got to acknowledge yourself for these things. And because if, you, if you're incapable of ever patting yourself on the back, then what are we doing? Yeah. Because we're going to die until we die if that's the case. Do you know what I mean? Like for real. Yeah. By the way, starving will kill you a lot faster than being fat, period. You stop eating, you're going to die really, really quick. It takes a long time to become overweight and then it takes a long time to die from being overweight. So let's not pretend that we can do this forever. We must acknowledge I'm saying we as though this is some scientific law. It's not. I feel it is vitally important to acknowledge myself when I have progressed to the point where there is an objective metric that is right there, Mm -hmm. right? And if I don't, I more likely will fall off and I will not ever get to the goal. Now, the, the flip side and why I say razor's edge is if I overly acknowledge myself And I go like, look at me. I can do anything. I could probably eat a pizza right now and it would be fine. I've had the same experience. So this thing for me is very similar to guilt and the, the acknowledgement of progress, right? Without, without getting too high on your horse is really important. I think Mm -hmm. in the same way that, you know, something happens, I go off my diet whatever. I I wind up in Chicago, everything's closed, but the deep dish pizza and they only have a version with, without meat and cheese that I can pull off and be keto or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know about calories yet. I'm not thinking about that. Or it's just so far off my plan that eating that piece of deep dish Chicago pizza, which by the way, I know you're from Chicago. Deep dish pizza sucks. It's not my favorite. It's terrible. It's a great way to use this analogy because everybody's listening going, oh my God, and he went off his diet with deep, what a (laughs) moron. He's eating deep dish pizza. Don't you know in Chicago they have like wonderful hot dogs with neon 
uh, relish and pickle spears and wedges of tomatoes and hot beef sandwiches, and he's eating deep dish pizza. What a moron this guy is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you have the deep dish pizza, and then there's so much guilt that you can't get back onto your plan, or there's so little guilt that you also can't get back onto your plane because you don't, you don't care. You're almost like a sociopath about it. You know, it's just nothing matters or you're a nihilist or something like this was fine. Eating this pizza was great. It had no effect on me at all. I'm not as hungry, but I think I'm going to go get a giant tub of caramel corn too, you know? So that to me is this, is a similar thing that we're talking about with when you're progressing, acknowledge yourself. Don't get too carried away if you're not at your ultimate goal, right? And this is the great thing for me about maintenance, honestly. You lose weight. You then have to take a break from losing weight and spend time going, I did something. And now I'm doing something else, very important, but it's different. I'm allowing my body to exist in this new state, right? I'm preparing it for the next evolution, Man, that that has changed how I approach any of this. Everything is now in terms of, you know, month-long periods where I'm looking at how I'm going to be working out and how I'm going to be eating and how my eating is going to change over the course of that month. And then that's the cycle, right? And none of that is my end goal. That is a a totally different thing, right? That will, after doing this over and over again, get me to the long-term goal in the same way that after achieving every day the way I want to achieve it gets me to my shorter goal. Yeah, and you've talked about this on so many recent podcasts with people, and it's really, I don't know, I don't think it's talked about enough at all. It's like... I think the, um, I don't know, the general way to diet is lose weight, get to a number or a this or a size or whatever. Okay, cool, did it. And then, I mean, you said to me at some point we were talking about like having, you had an episode where you were talking about having that second plan to move into. Great, you reached this goal. Now what's next? And I'm, you know, I don't know. I just, that is like that and the maintenance and all these things. It's just the plan after the plan. And I'm finally like understanding how important a maintenance period is and what it is. And it's not just like, okay, cool. Well, now I'm going to eat whatever, or, you know, it's so planned out as well. Yeah. And, and uh, here's all it is. I don't mean to put you on the spot. It's fine. Have you done a diet before what you're doing now? A thousand times. Okay. (laughs) So however many of those, whatever results that you achieved that you were happy with, then obviously if you're doing a new thing now, there was something that changed and you felt you needed to do, redo something, right? Yeah. yeah. The whole point of maintenance is to figure out how to exist not dieting. Like that is the whole point for me. Yeah. When I'm doing maintenance, all I'm doing is – because it is, it is a diet, Right. But it's a diet where you're literally practicing eating enough to fuel yourself, however much you need. You're neither gaining or losing weight. It's really weird. It's really weird to come from a place where 
every diet I've ever done is a linear thing to a goal. And some of them are followed by like, now you can introduce, you know, a starchy thing once every three days and two weeks from now you can have it every twice a week or whatever, or three times a week. Right. And now you can have it on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And, and it's kind of like leading you back into normal eating. Right. I think it's gradually getting you there. And what none of them took into account was I have no idea how to eat normally. Right. I never did. Yeah. Not once. I, I There's no part of me that can sit down and eat and have a click that says you don't need to eat anymore without thinking about it. I can be served something at somebody's house and not have to go get seconds because I'm embarrassed to stand up in front of everybody or to ask for them or whatever it is. Or you can serve me way too much food and I'll eat it all. There's nothing within me that knows how to stop eating. I don't know how, right? And I'll eat at your house and go home and eat again if if I'm not practicing restraint. Mm-hmm. So the idea that I am on a diet that is about how to eat and it's not withholding anything. There's nothing off limits, right? Now that said, there are things that I'll eat that I feel crappy if I eat, so I don't eat them, you know? I, I think I talked about this, but like I can have some fast acting sugar at the gym while I'm working out and I never feel a, a downside from this. And if I have fast acting sugar at night I feel crappy the next day so I don't do that but like when I'm doing maintenance I I I get this wonderful sense of like this is what you know it's like a glimpse inside of what I perceive a normal person to be Mm -hmm. you know and this is okay so this is what that guy he just it's just body stops okay (laughs) so now I'm going to tell myself to stop because I've figured out that this is an appropriate meal and I'm going to think about all that. And it's really kind of like sad or sick or something like that, you know, but I, I kind of love it. I kind of love going like, you know, if some part of me has to think about it a little bit for the rest of my life, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And like I say that, and I, I experienced the worst, (laughs) the most, opulent debaucherous cheat days of the last couple of years over christmas and it was okay yeah because most of the day and all of the days leading up to it and and leading away from it were maintenance right so it was like a blip right and then i just got back into this smooth like i'm a normal guy you know i got you all fooled you all think i'm you know, normal, you're watching me, but I'm fucking thinking about all this stuff in my head and I'm eating and I'm looking at my food and I'm going, this is a normal serving of protein. How fascinating. And this is a normal serving of carbs. This is wild and a normal serving of fats for my body, right? It's not normal for anybody else's. If I feed this to my 13 year old kid, she'll gain weight. It's too much food for her. But for me, it's normal. What do I want to eat? Right? Well, I want to cover this in 
sesame oil and, you know, barbecue sauce and all of that stuff. That's what I'm going to. If you just put this plate of food in front of me, I'm going to put a shitload of butter on the veggies. I'm going to put sesame oil on the rice and barbecue sauce on the chicken. Sugar and fat is where I get into trouble. But, you know, I feel like we've gone off topic again and we're, we're now getting into food porn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm salivating. God, yeah. It's hard. It just the, the mental part of like what you're thinking. I have so much. I can be standing around. Um, maybe I'm working and I'm around a group of people and there's a table of snacks. And I can be standing there thinking to myself while having a conversation and looking them in the eye. Oh, yeah, no, we're going to do this. Great. See you in 15 minutes. Okay. Well, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not eating those chips. I'm not eating those chips because I don't have to have those chips. I've had those chips before. But I will be having conversations while simultaneously having a conversation with the person in front of me about the matter at hand. So I can relate. Yeah. This is, this is, we've gone to another the, place. This is the cross we bear page. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But I will say, you know, I don't know if it's coming with a little bit of age or a little bit of something, but I think it's getting to, I don't know. Also, it's just like there's something where I'm like, I don't want to be like I have been anymore. It's not fun anymore to like you pointed out. And it's true. I've dieted my entire life. And there's times where I've been like, you know, where I want to be. And then eventually I'll look back and I'm like, oh, two years have gone by. I got to do that again, you know? So I'm just kind of tired of it for myself. I just want to be in a place where I'm healthy and feel good and my clothes fit and all of that good stuff, you know? So I'm- Yes. And I want to make a point about that. When I say I'll have to think about this for the rest of my life and I'm okay with that, I really want to emphasize that the difference between when I- do maintenance now as I was just a couple weeks ago, four months. And I did from March, end of March to July was all maintenance, like months and months of maintenance with no hiccups. The, the difference in ease with which I am doing that versus the first ever time that I did that a couple of years ago is night and day. So the first time, I thought about it as though it was the first day of a diet. I was really nervous. I thought for sure I was going to gain a bunch of weight. I counted everything very, very precisely. Today, there's almost no thought other than I've got to prepare. I don't want to get caught with my pants down next to a Arby's, right? You know what I mean? Like for many reasons, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like... I. I still have to I still have to make sure that I have everything I need because if you get me overly hungry and but but also think it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? It's not really the end of the world for me anymore. I can have a Christmas and a Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve and it doesn't you know, the weight I gained was water. Right. And I did gain weight and it's gone already. It was gone a week ago, right? And I didn't have to like fast to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It was just, I just went back onto maintenance. Well, actually January 1st, I started a diet diet, but you know, it's okay. I've become okay. And the amount of effort, listen, everybody has to put some effort into it. You know, we're not like these guys, the Harkonnens in doom who are like just floating around being fed 
shit all day. You know what I mean? That's a terrible example because I see that you have no idea what I'm talking I'm about. I'm like, what? So we're not Jabba the Hutt <laughs> with some chained nymph who's going to like stuff bugs and creatures in our mouths okay. for us, right? We all have to think about what we're eating to some degree. Yeah. Unless we're children whose parents are putting a plate of food in front of us or spoon feeding us, right? Mm-hmm. Or, okay, the few people that aren't feeding themselves. But for the most part, we're all making some kind of a decision about what we're eating. We're all thinking about it, what we do. The trouble I get into is for years, I I wanted to have a taste and, and an experience, the feeling of being full. And that wasn't, it, my body w- isn't calibrated right because that feeling is, Whatever a guy who I think of as normal feels as full, for me, I'm like, that's an appetizer. What are we doing here? Or an amuse-bouche or something, right? We haven't even moved into the first course yet. So the the amount of thought, I think, has gotten less and less. It's not – there's no anxiety about maintenance anymore. It's very easy. But I am thinking about it in in such a way as like I want to have my tools ready. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't want to, I don't want to discourage somebody to think like, I have to think about this forever. That's terrible. What a terrible example you are. It's not the same. It gets easier. Yeah. It gets better. But I'm sorry, you're always going to have to think about your food to some degree. If you're looking at a menu, you're thinking about what you're going to eat. You're making a decision. These decisions we have the power over. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. Love it. Thank you. I think that's all, right? Yeah. Goals. Goals. Okay. See you guys. And now for the Q&A. This is a question from Kelly. Kelly says, my partner and I are big fans of the show, and I find that you bring him a lot of motivation every week, so thank you. My partner tends to fixate on one thing at a time, me or workouts, and has difficulty balancing both a relationship and a workout routine. How do you and your partner navigate different workout styles but still show support to them and maintain a relationship? This is a very good question, Kelly. Thank you. And thank you for the acknowledgement. I appreciate it. My partner and I have almost never worked out together. Very, very rarely. I guess we were on a trip not so long ago, I mean, who knows with COVID times how long ago this actually was. I cannot recall. Everything happened yesterday while simultaneously being 10 years ago for me. But we did some yoga stuff together every morning and that was cool. But like as far as like what what we really want out of the workouts, they're very, very different. And so she doesn't lift weights at all. I lift weights. And then uh, there was a period in my life where I was psych bicycling a lot. And I, she tried to get me to go on a bike ride with her. And she was just furious with me the whole time because I only wanted to go uphill. And I only wanted to go uphill as fast as I possibly could. And neither of those things were fun for her. So I'm not totally sure if you're asking me what you guys should do together or if if the the fact that you have divergent exercise r- r- schedules is if that is getting in the way of your relationship so i i i would not say that you have to have something in common 
as far as exercise go that that I don't think that a relationship requires that. And so I, I, I would just say you both should be doing what is super conducive to your personal goals. So that's my suggestion on that. And then if, if the actual exercise itself or, or need of exercise is, is getting in the way of the relationship, I can totally see that because when I get on, onto something, it becomes very important. Going to the gym or during quarantine, going to my gym, which is in, in my house, and having time there where I'm not being distracted or asked to take the trash out or something is really, really important. And my wife gives me that. My wife has been unbelievably supportive in all of my endeavors so long as they've been healthy. That, that is a key. And I think we need to, I believe it's good. And then, and then I'm very supportive of her too, because I, I think that these things so long as somebody is moving in the direction of what they want that's within the boundaries of agreements you guys have set, this is something we sh- I, I want to support for her, and she has always only supported for me. So that's, I, I hope that answers the question. If one of you likes cardio and the other likes lifting weights, you don't have to do these things together, you know? I... I I want I never want to be in a gym with my wife ever. That doesn't sound like fun to me at all. I would love to see her right before and right after and if she wouldn't get miserably bored, I would even I could imagine some version of her like coming in to cheerlead for me could be fun, but she, god, she would be so bored and then her boredom would be distracting to me and make me anxious and it would just not be good. So I I really like working out by myself. Um, And then, but my wife wants me to do this yoga stuff with her, which I have absolutely no interest in doing at all. However, it's not harmful to me. And the benefit there is that I'm doing something that brings her pleasure. And so I do it occasionally. (laughs) That's my answer. If you have a question you would like me to answer on this podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>